0: Alright, Deuteronomy, if you want to turn there in your Bibles to, I think we're in chapter 5 and, no, 6 and 7 this morning, if you want to turn there, 6 and 7. We finished up with the Ten Commandments last week, and expected to go further than that, but we didn't get as far as we'd li- that I would like. But um, in chapter 6, as he tells the people, the next generation... As they go into the. Pro- yes. Uh, May 3rd, right there. No, it's gone. Sorry. There it is. May 3rd through the 5th. Are you volunteering? No, I just when supposed to bring my All right. Bring it, you can bring it on the 2nd. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, chapter 6. Um, verse 1. Now this is the commandment, that these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you. That you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you. You and your sons, your grandsons, all the days of your life. And that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it. That it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you. A land... Flowing with milk and honey. He says that periodically throughout this book to remind them that it's to their advantage that they obey God. Sometimes you shouldn't, I don't think, need to tell us that. God shouldn't have to remind us that it's to our advantage to obey God, but sometimes we need it. Um, we forget what sin brings into our lives, what disobedience to God's word brings into our lives. We think, oh, it's okay. It's a little small thing. We can, you know, every once in a while, you know, what harm could it do? And boy, it does. He, you know, in the New Testament, they make it very clear. Every single seed that's planted will bear fruit, whether it's good seed or bad seed. It will bear fruit. And so if I'm planting bad seed in my life with good seed, for the most part, I'm still going to have a weedy yard. I'm still going to have problems. I'm still going to have things that I need to tangle with. And it's only through obedience that I have that yard. We were noticing that on the way here. You can tell who fertilizes and who has professional lawn care on the way. We're like, man. That's just like black green. It's just dark green and stripes in the yard, and I covet those things, you know. But more so, I covet that kind of life that's just well watered. It's well taken care of. It looks nice and it's lush and it's healthy. You know, that's the difference. A healthy lawn. You you don't really need to fight weeds. You just need to feed the grass, and then the weeds just can't germinate. And so. He's telling them, please, obey God. Remember this, not just this generation or the next generation, but all the way to your grandchildren. Obey what he says. In Psalm 1, if you want to turn there really quick. It's one of the first psalms that our kids, well, it's probably the only psalm our kids memorize. They have memorized parts of the other psalms, but we have them memorize this whole one because it's just such a, if you learn anything, if you ever memorize any scripture, this is the one that you need to memorize. It'll take you through the rest of your life. I mean, it covers everything. Um, not that you shouldn't memorize more, but it's, you know, it's, it's six verses. That's pretty easy. That's a pretty short list on the mirror in the bathroom, right? Maybe six post-it notes, and they will get you there. Here's what it says, and it's so true, obviously. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but in, in, uh, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are, but are, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, or, uh, shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It's just excellent for your kids to know that, no matter where they are. you know, Obeying God is life. Disobeying God is going to bring harm and death to myself and to those around me. I want to grow. And the way I avoid that is I don't stand in the path of the ungodly or sinners or scornful. I steer clear of that stuff. Here's what I do do, though. I meditate on God's law. I plant those seeds. I don't plant the other seeds. And so that's kind of what Moses is getting at back in chapter 6, is just, just really, just focus on the Lord and what he's done for you. There, there's really no reason to venture off into this territory that's not his. It's not governed by him. It's something that's in rebellion against him. Now, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the greatest commandment, Jesus said. This is where he's quoting from. This is the greatest, not in the Ten Commandments, this is the greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The interesting thing about these chapters or these verses four and five is they really talk about the Trinity. And you kind of got to get into the uh, to Hebrew into, into, into that language to understand it, but this is really the Trinity. The word one there, the Lord our God is one, is the word Elohim. There's lots of different words for, for talking about God. There's El, which is singular, there's Elah, which is plural, and then there's Elohim, which is a multiple. That's a three. And then also you see the word God there. You shall love the Lord your God. The word God there is echad. That's how it's pronounced. There'd be more spit involved if I was in Israel, but it's echad, hag, you know. So there's kind of a strong, and there's different words for that too, but echad means it's a, it's a multi, it's a plurality, okay, but a unity. In fact, the same words used when it talks about the two shall become one flesh. It's the same word. Um, it's, a, it's a bring together, the one with Elohim and the God with echad. So Um, It's really talking about the Trinity. He's declaring that. The Lord our God is one. Um, He's three, but he's one at the same time. Verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. It's the first thing that has to happen. God's word can be memorized. I talked about memorizing Psalm 1, but it really has to be believed. And that's the difference to getting it from your head to your heart. Knowing God's word doesn't change anything, but believing God's word does. Um, You can hear the sermon this morning, but if you don't believe God's word that's being proclaimed this morning that it won't won't help. And so these words, they need to be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Um, And so the idea is it it needs to permeate every part of your life. Your kids should be hearing it, not just on... Sundays and Wednesdays, and, 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 and that's a very dangerous place to be when you've, when you've relegated your responsibility as a parent to the church to teach your kids about Christ, to teach them about Christianity. That's, that's not where they learn it. This is, we do our best, but, and, and our teachers are great, but they go way above and beyond their call of duty. Our first priority is to get them back to you alive, safe, no broken bones or anything. Second thing is they're going to have a great time at God's house and in His backyard, that's the most, those are the two most important things. The third thing is doctrine. That's our third thing in our mission statement, in our ministry to those kids. We're going to keep them safe no matter what. We're going to make sure they enjoy themselves here, that they don't hate church, that they never want to leave because God's house is not legalistic and, and rule-oriented. It's, it's, it's a blessing to be there, full of grace and mercy. But thirdly, then we teach them the Bible, and that's if we have time. And some people don't agree with that, but that's how we run things here. It's very important. Because the education about Jesus and about the Bible is, is at home. That's where they get it. Because if we teach them here and they don't see it at home or hear it at home, it's not going to survive. And they can't live off of two meals a day of a spiritual di- on a spiritual diet like that. It has to be seven days a week. It needs to be in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. They need to be receiving all of God's love, His mercy, and see it in action in our homes. And so he makes it very clear here. I'm telling you what you need to know. We're going to write it all down. But they need, we need you to teach them teach them to your children. Yes, the Ten Commandments will be in the park, and maybe you'll walk by that granite stone and go over it with them, but that shouldn't be where they get their doctrine from and for where they get their education from. It needs to come from the parents. It's our responsibility to teach our kids. I had a guy run up to me uh, well, four years ago, so it was a little time ago. Long. He, had, he had been going to a church for a very long time, and went to a different church and heard them speaking in tongues, and his kids heard them speaking in tongues, and there's nothing wrong with that. We believe that here. But what he said to me bothered me, and it was one of those um, uncomfortable moments because he's a friend. But he said, J.D., how come it was that I've been to this church for so long and they had to hear about the blessing of speaking in tongues at this other church? I said, pastor, because he's a pastor. Pastor. I said, that's your responsibility to teach your kids about those things. That's not the church's, and you know that. We didn't like to hear that. Um, but your kids haven't heard about tongues or the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit because you haven't taught them. And you're not exercising those in your own home. It's not the church's responsibility to bring that up and to show that to them. They should be seeing that all the time in you and through you. So uh, that was an odd conversation. Um, but, you know, you got to you got to call it like it is. And he's a brother, so you got to. If you're a friend, you're going to tell him the truth, right? So, um, be careful. Um, it says in Proverbs 22:6, "Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it." Um, training is a lot more than than bookwork. It's a lot more than memorization. Training is a lot different. I went, you know, and, and, you know. Here's me pulling the Marine Corps card again, but every, you know, boot camp was a lot more than sitting in a classroom learning about the nomenclature of an M16 rifle. Well, that's how it works. Now, Believe me, it was all news to me. Never had a gun in my life till I showed up there. So I'm very glad we had that book work in that class. I needed that. But then we went to the rifle range for a month. We spent a month shooting that thing and taking it apart. And I can do it. Could have done. I can't do it anymore. I can do it blindfolded. I mean, taking the bolt apart and everything to pins, pushing them out all the way into the smallest pieces. And I could do it blindfolded. That's training. Our kids need that kind of training biblically. Memorization's great. You bet. You've got to hide God's word in your head first before it can even get into your heart. But then you've got to use it and be able to break it down yourself and be able to understand it when you read God's word, be able to pull from it, you know, and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. So very important. Train up your child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. But if you just indoctrinate your kid while they're young, you may have problems later on with them because it's never been lived and seen and exercised. So, Verse 10, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, you did not dig uh, one of those wells anyway, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, when you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. When you're struggling, when you're having a hard time, it's easy to pray. It's easy to cry out to God for help. Oh, Lord, you know, get me out of this mess or that mess and even weep and raise your hands to God. But when everything's great and he's fixed all those problems and everything's come to, and there's a lull in your life, a quietness, a peace, you know, is you still have the same um, tenacity to pray Or do we forget? And so Moses is warning them as he would warn us today, beware, guard yourself. We have a tendency to not need God at times. And then we have a tendency to need him, but we need to understand that we constantly need him. It never, ever ends. Um, He prepares us in our peaceful times for wartime. That's how we're ready for it. That's when the battle rages and it starts all of a sudden and you have one of those Mondays or one of those days that shows up. It's like, whoa, where did this come from? You've been prayed up, you've been studied up in the calm times, in peacetime, and you're prepared for the battle. And so he warns him about that. Don't forget God once he gets everything straightened out. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. A lot of people don't like the fear of the Lord. I think the fear of the Lord is the most healthy relationship you can have with him. That's not fear, obviously, like he's going to hit you with a hammer or he's abusive. It's fear of like a father who loves you with all their heart and won't let you get by with stuff that has boundaries for you, that expects you to stay within those boundaries and to obey the rules. And you know what it feels like when you don't. You're uncomfortable. You're sheepish. You're a little, you know, shy. Um, That fear of the Lord is a good thing. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. But it does mean that you have a healthy respect for God. He created you. Um, he made everything for you, um, and so there needs to be that fear. And then to serve Him. Um, uh, interesting weekend this weekend. Um, it was a. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a long one. It's going to be a busy one, and that's good. That's okay. Uh, a lot of things coming together at the same time. And yesterday was kind of a long day. Um, a good day. Um, and, and you know, I was sitting there, and, and, and everybody, you know, we're watching. I don't know what we were watching, watching something. Oh, Kung Fu Panda or something like that, I think. The kids were, and I'm sitting there kind of listening. And um, everybody's a little tired, but I looked over at and I said, you don't want to rub my head, do you, or anything? I had kind of a headache, you know. I just, she just does this kind of thing. You don't want to do that, do you? And she goes, yes. And so I got over, and I sat down and got in my position, sitting on the couch. And she just, she just gnaws on my head. I'm just like, oh, man. And that's how you should serve your father every single day, Evangeline. Every single day you should serve him that way. That's kind of what it's like. It's not like I needed her to come with a silver platter and serve me my chicken pot pie and get me my drink, woman, you know, kind of thing. Wrong idea. But we serve our Father in heaven with a love and adoration. And, 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 and because he is who he is, you know, um, because he does so many good things, um, like I do for my children all the time. Yeah, well, I try. It's, uh, the word serve needs to, it's, it's, a, it's not derogatory. It's not uh, under their thumb. What? Kathy, please. I don't wash your feet. No, I don't. I swim with him, though. I swam with Bo yesterday. Verse 16, You shall not tempt the Lord your God or JD while he's teaching as you tempted him in Massah. <laughs> That's where the, uh, they needed water. They were complaining about not having water in the desert, and um, they tempted God there. And God brought water from the rock because he's patient and gracious and merciful and knew they were thirsty, but it was the way they asked. That was the tempting part. They were very disrespectful. And so he warns them, don't tempt him. Don't tempt him like that. Um, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, His testimonies and His statutes which He has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you may go in and possess the good land of which the Lord swore to your fathers, to cast out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. And that's so nice to know we have a God that does that for us. He protects us. We always have enemies. There's always people that are trying to bring you down or do something. and all um, I don't need to worry about them. I just need to worry about being close to Him. Um, and the enemies just kind of bounce off of him. It's a it's a blessing to him to be our fortress. Um, when your son uh, asks you in time to come, saying, "What is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you?" In other words, your kids are going to ask you, "How can we go to church every Sunday? How can we got to get up so earlier for whatever reason? What is it?" And this is an opportunity. You don't look at them and say, "Because that's what we do." Uh, that's not teaching. Um, You need to teach him. And so this is what God says. Then you shall say to your son, here's your answer. Give him the story. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. Then he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in to give us the land in which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God uh, as he has commanded us. It's a teachable moment when your kids ask those questions. Take those times uh, seriously. They don't come very often. Um, um, Take those times and explain to them maybe a little more than you think needs to be said at that time, but just make sure they have the information. Well, mom and I follow the Lord, and that's why our marriage is so solid. Mom and I follow the Lord, and we go to church, and we serve God because He's done such great things for us. Here's where I was. I can't tell you where your mom's been. She's going to talk to you about that, but I can tell you where I've been, and what He's done for me, and how He's changed me. And I tell you this, you wouldn't want a dad that didn't know Jesus. You wouldn't want to see me like that. That's not pretty. Um, I wouldn't be the same person without Him. And Explain that to them, you know, so that they know it's, you know, the same's for you. You're going to be the best mom or the best Uh, Husband, or the best dad you can be if you have Christ in your heart. But otherwise, your marriage isn't going to go well. You're going to have fights and argue and throw pots and pans at each other, and you may get divorced. Bad things are going to happen. You need to be with God. You need to be close to Him. Both of you do for things to work out well, and you take the time to teach Him. Chapter 7. Then the Lord your God... uh, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show them mercy. You shall make you shall, nor, shall you, uh, nor shall you make marriages with them, you shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter of, uh, for your son. Now, you know, a lot of people take that and stop right there. So you see, there's no, there's no marriages between nations. Nations need to stick with nations. You stick to the, not what he's talking about. He's not talking about different nationalities at all. And he clarifies it in case we get confused. At this time, Israel is the only group of people that knows God. Nobody else on the earth knows God. That's what he's talking about. You need to be believers to get married. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's believers and there's unbelievers. That's it. The believers should get married. Absolutely. But the unbelie- don't get married to an unbeliever. You're going to have a war your entire life in your marriage. Oh, but he's so cute. Or, oh, she's so amazing. If they're not believers, that won't last. You need to be believers. And so he clarifies it, just in case they may, might think about the fact that it's maybe uh, interracial or inter, uh, inter uh, uh, you know, whatever, international. <laughs> For they will turn your sons away from following me. That's what he's concerned with. To serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you Suddenly but thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. In other words, you remove that idolatry from your presence as you take over this land. In fact, that's one of the reasons that Aaron um, and Miriam got in trouble. Aaron and Miriam were Moses' brother and sister. And they were upset with Moses for marrying an Ethiopian woman. That's interracial. That's interracial national, um, and they got mad, and they got in trouble from God, because he's not talking about that. This Ethiopian woman was with the nation of Israel because she applied the blood of the lamb to the doorposts of her home and walked out of Egypt with them. In other words, she is a follower of God, and so there's nothing wrong with that. Think of Ruth. This is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. As you go through Jesus's, you know, heritage here, um, Mary, Jesus' mom is related to Ruth. She's a Moabitess. You think of Esther. She married a Gentile. You think of Rahab. She was a Canaanite. On the list. And yet believers, all three. That's the difference. And so God isn't talking about interracial. I'm I'm always amazed that I hear that sometimes in in any neck of the woods anymore. It seems like there's just this, this idea that, well, you know, God said, what? Century are you living in, and what Bible are you reading? You know, and so I guess I took it for granted that everybody just kind of understood that, you know, that it's okay for anybody to get married. We're all human beings, so anybody can get married to any human being on this face of the earth. The only difference is you want believers to get married, otherwise, you'll have a war. It's a difficult marriage, and um, but I guess I got to be careful. So I want to teach that this morning in case there's someone who doesn't understand that very well could be. Yes, you can get married biblically. In fact, it's, it's unbiblical to say that you can't. So um, if you want to be a Christian, you want to be walking with the Lord tightly, you'll have the same mind as he does on this matter. Anybody can get married to anybody. Um, um, any nation, it doesn't make any difference. He's not talking about it. He's talking about believers and unbelievers. Okay, verse, uh, uh, well, the next one. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the last of all peoples, or the least of all peoples. Um, But because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt." That's just good for everybody to remember, that God didn't choose me because I'm something amazing. Like, he needed me on the team. You know, he's a great quarterback. We've got to recruit JD. No, no, no. No. I make jokes about that. You know, I, I teach our kids, you know, well, you're a Dirks. That's what happens. You know, we're just, so, we're just too awesome. You know, every time they lose or something, it's something. we've well, got to give the world something back. You know, we've got everything else. I'm just kidding around. I mean, I hope they don't take it too serious. Um, because I know where I came from. I know who I am. I, again, I'm the C. I'm the C student. My whole life, I was a C student. I was not the popular kid in grade school. In fact, I had bullies, you know, that would follow me home and stuff. And I was the kid that liked to lay in the grass and look at grasshoppers and play in the mud, you know, and make mud ball flags and take pictures of them and send them off to Real People. Remember that TV show, Real People? I'd take pictures. I mean, I was just kind of a just white milk toast, you know. I was just I was nothing special, um, and God didn't pick me for any other reason except that I can use that. Um, because he doesn't think of himself any other way than that. And so when I joke around about Dirk's pride or, or whatever it is, is it, hopefully everybody gets that. It's just, it's just kidding around. We know who we are. Without Christ, we're, we're, we're really nothing. Um, but with Christ, you become an amazing person. You become used mightily by God. Just think of David. He was the least of all the brothers. Of all the brothers to be picked to be king, he was left out in the field because he was the last person they would think he would be king. And they said, are, are all the brothers here? And he goes, well, no, there's this little kid out there taking care of the sheep. Well, bring him in here. And as soon as he showed up, that's the guy. And all the brothers are going, that's the guy? And they pour the oil over Because when they anointed someone for a king, they would just pour the oil over their head. So David's just dripping with oil, looking at his big brothers going, ah, 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 you know, don't beat me up afterwards, you know, kind of thing. Um, David was just a little kid and nobody's special, but God made him that way, and he does the same thing for us. You were chosen by God. You were chosen by God, and, and we become special that way. We become amazing people that he can use, um, just so you know. Um, and so God reminds him of that. You were just God set his love on you because he loves you, um, and I'm glad. I would be worried if God chose me because of a gift or a talent that I had, because then I'd be really worried about what if I lost that gift or talent? I mean, what if I loved Anna because she played the piano? And I made sure she knew that, oh, honey, when you play the piano, the birds stop singing. And oh, you know, and that's all she ever heard from me or her mom. What's she going to think? That's who she is. I'm the piano girl. And if I don't play the piano or art or whatever it is, I'm, I, I risk losing that love and affection. Then I'm just nobody. I'm somebody else. Somebody, somebody who can be forgotten. And she's not. We love Anna because she's Anna, you know. Um, Because of who she is, we love everything about her. And if she was a creepy daughter, which she's not, I'd still love her. And she needs to know that. She needs to know that I love her when she's creepy, or if she's creepy. She's never really creepy. But if she was, I'd love her. And that's, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get off on that too much, but that's how God wants us to understand how He loves us. It doesn't matter. I'm not J.D. the pastor. I can be J.D. the whatever, and he still loves me just as much. It doesn't make any difference. He set his love on me. He set his love on you. That's amazing what he's done for us. So, therefore, verse nine, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with, with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you uh, the covenant uh, and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb. And the fruit of your land, your grain, your new wine, and your oil. The increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock. And the land which he swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness. And will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt which you have known. But will lay them on all those who hate you. Also you shall destroy... Um, all the peoples whom the Lord your God delivers over to you, your eyes shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will uh, be a snare uh, to you. And so he gives them great promises. There, there's a great blessing in being obedient to God. Um, and so he wants them to know that uh, to not have to fear, um, but to to staying as close to him as possible is the best thing they can do. If you say, if you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials which you uh, which your eyes saw, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. In fact, that's almost a criteria. I, I think he gets worried about them when they don't look at the situation and the fight um, as if they're going to need God. Sometimes they're going to do that. Joshua's going to take some chances and do some things he shouldn't do by going up and fighting against nations that he hasn't prayed about first. There was no fear. It was, we're going to beat them like we beat everybody else. Well, first of all, you've never beat anybody. It's always been the Lord who's beaten them. Um, And you can't do that without him. And so he puts it that way. I like the way he puts that. So the, so shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid whoever's stronger than you. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to be worried. Moreover the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left who hide themselves from you are destroyed. That's a great way to fight. <laughs> you don't have to worry about your sword skills or your shield skills. He just sends a big, you know, swarm of bees and wasps at them. You can't fight that, doesn't matter how sharp you are with your sword. Um, man, you're going to run. And that's how God fights. People just take off. And that's nice. And I've had that happen many times in my life. And I'm sure you've got your own stories about that, how God's defended you. You shall not be terrified of them. For the Lord, your God, the great and awesome God is among you. And the Lord, your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be uh, unable to destroy them at once lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. In other words, I, I don't want you to just, get, you know, just push everybody out because you won't be able to occupy. You won't be able to hold the ground. They'll just they keep coming in. So I want you to defeat them little bits at a time when he says it's going to take time to do this um, so that you can occupy the land, so that you can dominate it. Um, you don't have to worry about you know, going back to that city and it's full of jackals and bears or whatever, lions that are living there now. Um, you can do that. And So he, he lets them know it's going to take time. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. And he will deliver their kings into your hand, and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be uh, snared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. In other words, when you do conquer these people, you're not conquering them for stuff. I don't want you to conquer them for the gold, for the silver. I want you to, thats to God, that's defiled. It's garbage. Throw it away. Throw gold away? Yes. Throw the gold and silver away. It's garbage to God. He wants them doing this because they love him. Because they serve him. Because these, these enemies of God, because of these idols, they're against our God. And so we fight for God, for his honor, for his glory, for his name. We don't fight for the stuff and the stuff that we get from that battle. You know? There are times when God will let them keep some of the stuff, but for the most part, this is a blanket statement for any mission they may go on. Don't keep the stuff. Leave it there. It's defiled. Because uh, I don't want you to get ensnared by it. It's for your benefit. Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. It's good to know that about all of our sin. That shouldn't ever be a place for it because God wants to destroy that sin. And the closer I hold it to myself, the closer I'm going to get harmed by him when he tries to take it away from me. You know? um, these are warnings he gives them. Just let it go. And let me destroy it. Just throw it out there you know? um, and, and let me take care of it. Um, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, that's important as God is telling them That's it's in my strength and in my will that you're able to do all these things. He carries that over into our walk with Jesus today. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, I can't do anything I want to do through Christ who strengthens me, but I can do anything God wants me to do through Christ who strengthens me. And the second one is Romans 8.31. If God is for us, then who can be against us? I don't have to worry about it. Um, I just go to God and I just talk to him about it. I say, God, you're for me. And I know that. And I know that these people are against me or the situation's against me, but I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna sit back and let you do the battle. I'm gonna let you do the, the fighting. Um, and nobody can stand. Nobody can stand. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, we thank you for the blessing that it is. It's, uh, um, as Moses is trying to encourage these people to walk with you, that's all he can do is tell them, he can't make them it's a decision they're going to have to make and many of them choose not to they'll hear all these same words and half of them will choose to follow you god and half of them will choose not to follow you god and we don't really know the difference except the word of god was mixed with faith in half they believed it they all heard it but only half of them believe it so this morning i pray that as we have a group here and who knows how many heard we hopefully they all did but we pray that it's mixed with faith that it's believed that they would try it, that they would walk with you, that they would trust you, that they would pray, they'd let you fight their enemies, that they'd let you be their strength, that they would pray to you and ask, what is, what is the service that I can do for you? And, uh, and that they'd see, that they would taste and see that you're good. Um, that's our heart, Lord. So this week, we'll know we'll have opportunities to do many of the things that you taught us this morning. There's going to be some enemies, maybe. There's going to be some ground to take. Um, and it may be even not as fast as we'd like to take it but you've taught us all this morning that it's gonna take time, that it's being done in your time and it's being done by your strength um, and that we can trust you in the progress or the the lack of progress even at times. But I pray that it's never because we won't walk with you. I pray it's always because you're just holding back. So bless these guys as they go today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, have a good week, you guys. If you need prayer before you go, come on up.